Chapter Eight of Andrew the Glad by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, The Spell and Its Weaving. And after the confusion, the distress, and the joy of the afternoon out in the park, when she and her gift had been accepted and acclaimed, there came days full of deep and perfect peace to Caroline Dara Brown long strenuously delightful mornings she spent with tempe in the excitements of completing her most comprehensive culinary education and the amount of badinage she exchanged upon the subject with david kildare occupied many of his unemployed minutes his demands for the most intricate and soul-trying concoctions she took a perfect joy in meeting and his enthusiasm stimulated her to the attempting of the most difficult feats his campaign was on with full force and his days were busy ones but he managed to drop into the kitchen at any time when he deemed it at all certain that he would find her there and was always fully rewarded he often found andrew severe in the library in consultation with the major over the management of the delicate points in the campaign and occasionally brought him into tempe's kingdom with him and caroline laughed and blushed and explained it all to them with the most beautiful solicitude tempe looking on positively brindling with pride and there were other mornings when she took her sewing and crept in the library to work while the major and andrew held consultation over the affairs of the present or absent david the whiskey ring had purchased one of the morning papers which had hitherto borne a reputation for extreme conservatism and it had appeared each morning with brilliant carefully modulated arguments for the machine doctored statistics and brought allegations impossible to be investigated in so short a time and all of every afternoon and evening andrew severe sat at an editorial desk down at the office of the reform journal and pumped hot-shot through their flimsy though plausible arguments his blood was up and his pen more than a match for any in the state so he often sat most of the night writing reviewing and meeting issue after issue the editor-in-chief whose heart was in making a success of the campaign by which his paper would easily become the leading morning paper gave him full rein aided and abetted him by his wide knowledge of all the conditions and pointed out with unerring judgment the sore spots on the hide of the enemy at which to send the gadfly of investigation so each day while andrew and the major went carefully over possibilities to be developed by and against the enemy caroline listened with absorbed interest now and then she would ask a question which delighted them both with its ingenuousness but for the most part she was busily silent and in the exquisiteness of her innocence she was weaving the spell of the centuries with the stitches in her long seams there are yet left in the world a few of the elemental women whose natures are what they were originally instituted and caroline dara was unfolding her predestinated self as naturally as a flower unfolds in the warmth of the spring sunshine the cooking for david and andrew the sewing for busy phoebe the tactfully daughterly attentions to the major and mrs matilda were all avenues for the outpouring of the maturing woman within and powerless in his enchantment andrew severe was swept along on the tide of her tenderness one day she had picked up his heavy gray gloves from the table and tightened the buttons 
listening all the while to an absorbing account of a counter-move he was planning for the next day's editorial and then had been delightfully confused and distressed by his gratitude the little scene had sent him to the bare fields to fight for hours the major fairly gloried in her knowledge of the arrangement of his library and delighted her with quick requests for his books during the most absorbing moments of their discussions and again the observation that the spell was not being woven for him alone went far to the undoing of andrew severe her interest in the affairs of david kildare disturbed him not at all but her sympathetic and absorbed attention to a bad luck tale with which hobson capers reported to the major one morning when she sat with him had sent him home in a most depressed state of mind and the picture of her troubled eyes raised to hobson's as he recounted the details of the wrenched shoulder of his favorite horse followed him through the day with tormenting displeasure though the offer of a cut-glass bottle full of a delightfully scented lotion for the amelioration of the suffering animal brought a semblance of a grin and hob the brute had gone away with it in his pocket accompanied by explicit directions as to its application by means of a soft bit of flannel the size of a pocket-handkerchief also provided andrew severe had a vision of the bottle and the rag being installed in the most holy of holies in the apartments of hobson capers and experienced a sweeping smashing rage thereat a day or two later a scene he had witnessed in the kitchen in which caroline and tempy hung anxiously over a simmering pan of lemon juice sugar rye whiskey and peppermint which when it arrived at the proper syrupy condition was to be administered as a soothing potion to the hoarse throat of peyton kendrick who perched croaking on a chair close by drove him to seeking comfort from phoebe much to her apparent amusement but secret perturbation for phoebe both comprehended and feared the situation and thus there is also much of the primitive left in the heart of the modern man on which the elemental forces work then the day for the election came nearer and nearer by what seemed fleeting hours the whole city was thoroughly aroused and fighting hard under one banner or the other as the last week drew to a close and left only the few days of the following week for a round-up of the forces before the wednesday election the men all became absorbed to the point of oblivion to everything save the speculation as to how the race would go but it was not in the nature of david kildare to be held against the grindstone of serious endeavor too long at a time and in the midst of the turmoil he proceeded to plot for a brief and exciting relaxation for himself and his strenuous friends and he chose saturday for the accomplishment thereof the morning dawned in a fluff of gray fog that hung low down over the avenue though the sun showed signs of soon piercing the gloom the clash and clatter of the city was fast approaching a noonday roar but still phoebe slept in the room which adjoined that of caroline dara brown caroline cautiously opened the door and stole in gently to the side of the bed then paused and looked down with delight phoebe asleep was a thing calculated to bring delight to any beholder the brilliant casual insouciant worldly phoebe had gone out on a dream hunt and a delicious curled-up flower lay in her place with turned lashes dipping against softly tinted cheeks her head rested on one bare white arm and one hand curled under her daintily moulded chin caroline caught her breath this was a pathetic phoebe when one thought of the most times phoebe cool self-reliant perforce 
the darling she whispered to herself as she slipped to her knees by the low bed i can't bear to wake her but i'm afraid not to it's an hour late already dear she slipped her arm under the glossy head and pressed a little kiss on the dimple over the northeast corner of the warm lips phoebe's gray eyes smiled themselves open for a fraction of a second then she nestled to caroline's shoulder and calmly drifted off again in pursuit of the dream dearie caroline begged it's after ten phoebe sighed nestled closer and drifted again caroline settled herself against the pillows and pressed her cheek against the thick black braid that curled across the sleeper's bare shoulder she was incapable of another combat with the sleep god and decided to wait besides the awake phoebe was busy and elusive not given to bestowing or receiving aught save the most fleeting caresses so for a few moments caroline dara's arms held her hungrily beautiful came in a sleepy voice from against her arm is the water cold awful this morning answered caroline tightening her arms just a little hot phoebe please i'll tell annette no answered phoebe as with a whirl of the covers she sat up and took her knees into her embrace no sweetie in i go the colder the better after i'm in how grand and burned jonesy you look in that linen pinafore indulging in the life domestic i think i catch a whiff of your culinary atmosphere and oh i am so hungry tempy has a dear little plump bird for you and some waffles and an omelette let me have annette bring them to you here please phoebe please caroline dara brown said phoebe in a tragic voice do you know i gained a pound and a quarter last week and that makes me three and a half pounds past the danger mark two raw eggs and an orange is all i can have this morning i'm going to cry i think no answered caroline dara positively you are going to eat that bird and the omelette you may substitute dry toast for the waffle if tempe will let you she's angry and i'm in trouble she won't use that recipe i got from your mammy kitty to make the cake i promised david kildare for tea she says she and her family have been making buchanan cake ever since there was any cake and she is not going to begin making donaldson mixtures i think i hurt her feelings what must i do let her alone she has the right of it and the cake is sure to be just as good laughed phoebe but i promised him it should be just like the one you gave us the other afternoon only with the icing and nuts thicker than the cake answered caroline in real distress he says that mr sevier likes it that way too she added ingenuously caroline dara you spoil those men to the most outrageous extent it's like david to want his icing and nuts thicker than the cake he always does and gets it but it isn't good for him as phoebe spoke she smiled at caroline dara indulgently i can't help it phoebe she answered with a rose wave mounting under her eyes i'm stupid i don't know how to manage them i'm just fond of them 
for a second phoebe regarded her from under veiled eyes then said guardedly doesn't that give them rather the advantage to start with if you let them find it out yes answered caroline as she pressed her cheek against phoebe's arm i know it does but i can't help it i have to trust to them to understand for a moment phoebe was silent and across her mind there flashed david's description of a man who sat into the gray dawn fighting his battle his own and hers a man who wouldn't run perhaps that's the best way after all dearie she said as she prepared to slip out of bed only it takes the exceptional woman to get results from your method it ought to work with david others don't seem to phoebe phoebe why why and caroline caught and held phoebe for a few seconds don't you care at all yes child a lot having admitted which i will betake myself to the plunge leaving you to finish the cake for the precious thing in a second phoebe smiled back from the door just one little waffle tell tempe she said and i'm due to make a lightning toilet if i get to that women's guild meeting at eleven thirty call the office for me and tell them not to send freckles until one thirty today and dearie please call polly and tell her to be sure to go to that meeting of the daughters of the colonies so she can tell me what happens tell her to get it all straight names and all and i will phone her and not to let them office or committee me just because i'm not there you are a dear caroline smiled happily as she went back to the mixing of the confection of affection to be administered to david with his tea as by request and she laughed as she heard phoebe's mighty splash and a half hour later during the discussion of the plump bird and the one crisp waffle david kildare whirled in beaming with joy over his plans in fact he failed to manage anything in the way of a formal greeting girls he exclaimed from the doorway the hunt is on for tonight everybody hurry up carolyn mrs matilda wants you to motor out with her to the forks to see about having jeff and tempy get ready for the supper cooking barbecue birdies and the hot potato Millie and billy bob are going and polly and that boston lad of yours carolyn yours if you can hold him which i don't think you can and mrs matilda says stop demanded phoebe and tell us what you are talking about david i'm surprised at you phoebe for being so dense answered david with a delighted grin at having created a flurry didn't you hear me tell carolyn dara brown at least a week ago that possums and persimmons are ripe and that the first night after a rain and a fog we would all turn out and show her how to shake down a few the whole glad push is going mrs matilda and i decided it an hour ago while you were still asleep i've telephoned everybody possums and persimmons wait for no man how perfectly delightful said caroline with eyes agleam with enthusiasm can everybody go david had failed to mention andrew severe in his enumeration an omission that she had instantly caught yes answered david everybody that had engagements we asked the engagement to go too even andy is going to cut the poems for the lark thus up a little phoebe please give us a smile i'm backing you to shake down ten possums against anybody's possible five i don't think that i can go answered phoebe quietly 
mrs cherry has the president of the federation of women's clubs staying with her and i'm going to dine there tonight to discuss the suffrage platform there was a cool note in phoebe's voice and a sudden seriousness had come into her expression now phoebe answered david looking down at her with the quickly concealed tenderness that always flashed up in his eyes when he spoke directly to her do you suppose for one minute that i hadn't fixed all that the first thing mrs sherry held back a bit but i rabbit-footed the old lady into being wild to go and then wheeled the correct hostess some and there you are carolyn is to send them out in her motor and i'm going to make hob and tom chase the possum in company of the merry widow and mrs bigbug now give me a glad word i'll see answered phoebe I can let you know by two o'clock whether I can go. And as she spoke, she gathered up her gloves and bag and settled her trim hat by a glance at the long mirror across the room. What? What did you say? demanded David, aghast in a second. If you think for one minute that I'm going to stand for... But you must remember that my business engagements must always be settled before I can make social ones. At two o'clock, then. Goodbye, Carolyn, dear. Such a comfy night under your care. I'm going to stop in the library to speak to the major, and then on to the guild if anyone calls. Here's to you both. And she coolly tipped them a kiss from the ends of her fingers. Carolyn, remarked David. I reckon I must have giggled too loud in my cradle, and the Lord turned around and made Phoebe to settle my glee, don't you think? and as Caroline saw him depart with his usual smile and jest, she little realized that a jagged wound ran across his blithe heart. The David within was awakening and developing a highly sensitive nature, which caught Phoebe's note of disapproval, divined its reasons, and winced under the humiliation of its distrust. The old David would have laughed, chafed her, and gone his way rejoicing. The new David suffered, for a deeply loved woman can inflict a wound on the inner man that throbs to the depths. Across the hall Phoebe found the major at his table and, as usual, buried in his books. He was reading one and holding another open in his hand while his pen balanced itself over a page for a note. Phoebe hesitated on the threshold, loath to disturb his feast. But before she could retreat he glanced up and his smile flashed a welcome and an invitation to her while his books fell together as he rose and held out his hands. "'My dear,' he said, "'I was just reading what Bob Browning says about a pearl and a girl, and thinking of you when up I look to behold you.' "'Thank you, and good morning, Major,' returned Phoebe, as a slow smile spread over her grave face. "'I won't disturb you, for I've only a moment. This hunt tonight, it, it troubles me.' Has David forgotten that he is to make a speech on the cutting of the conduit over in the 16th ward at half-past seven o'clock? It is one of his most important appointments, and— Phoebe? answered the Major, as he balanced his pen on one long, lean finger. Do you suppose that women will ever learn that men could dispense with them entirely after their second year, if it wasn't for the loneliness? I see David Kildare failed to make a sufficiently full apron-string report to you this morning of his intentions for the day. Sometimes, Major, you are completely horrid, 
answered phoebe with both a smile and a spark in her eyes but i do care that is i'm interested and it seems to me the major filled in the pause that you are a trifle short on a woman's long suit patience now in the case of david kildare you don't want to give him one moment of tortoise speed but must keep him pacing with the hare entirely remember the result of that race but i want him to win he must i think did you hear that speech he made to the motley and their friends last monday night that was as fine an interpretation of the ethics involved in the enforcement of law as i have ever heard or read delivered to simple minds unversed in the science ethical he landed hot shot into the very stronghold of the enemy and his audience saw his points i find the mind of david kildare rather well provisioned with the diverse ammunition needed in political warfare the whiskey ring is making a stand and fighting the inches of retreat i believe it to be retreat but can it be major andrew says that money is pouring into the city even from other states they intend to buy the election come what will how can a gentleman fight such a thing with not a dollar spent announcement phoebe said the major with the quick illumination of one of his challenging smiles you can generally depend upon the almighty to back the right man when he's fighting the right fight suppose you put up a little faith on the event be something of a sporting character and back david to win backing thoughts help in the winnings they tell us these days i have major i am i do but this hunt tonight positively positively frightens me it seems so so regardless of consequences so trivial and and inconsequent that phoebe paused and the major was astonished to see that she was veiling tears with her thick black lashes phoebe child he said as he bent over quickly and laid his hand on hers i ought to have answered you sooner he is prepared to make the speech of his life to-night at seven-thirty but at ten he joins his friends to hunt didn't you draw your conclusions hurriedly and against david in a second the tightness in phoebe's throat relaxed and the tears flowed back to their source only one little splash jewelled her cheek that had flamed into a blush of joy and contrition ah uh, she said softly as she drew a deep breath i am so glad glad i must hurry for i'm an hour late already good-bye good-bye and remember that faith is one of the by-products of affection and i might add that the right kind of faith finds tactful ways of uh, of admission do you see and the major held her hand long enough to make phoebe look into his kind eyes and from the ten minutes in the library of major buchanan the disciplining of the heart of phoebe donelson began and was carried on with utter relentlessness the first castigation occurred when david failed to phone her at two o'clock and a half hour later caroline dara called anxiously to know her decision and impart the information that david had arranged that she and phoebe go out to the fork in her car with mrs buchanan phoebe to her own surprise found that she intensely desired another arrangement that involved david and his small electric 
but she received the blow with astonishing meekness and delighted caroline with her enthusiastic acquiescence in the plans for the evening and so through the busy afternoon while david kildare met committees sent in reports and talked over plans he also managed to sandwich in the settling of numerous little details that went to make good the night's sport and it was all done in apparent high spirits but with an indignant pain in his usually glad heart meanwhile caroline dara in a whirl of domestic excitement incident to the preparing of a hamper for the midnight lunch out on the bridge which she had entreated mrs matilda to leave entirely to her newly acquired housewifery stepped into the middle of the pool political and never knew it in the innocence of her old-fashioned woman's heart miss Colleen? ventured jeff as he assisted her in packing the huge hamper that occupied the centre of the dining-room table is mr dave show appointed to be judge of the criminal court he ain't a joking is he why no indeed jeff answered caroline dara as she rolled sandwiches in oiled paper before putting them into a box what made you think that well it's kind of poor white folksy job for him fooling with crap-shooting niggers and whiskey soaks but if he wants it he's got to have it hear me and miss Colleen, some of us colored set has made up our minds that it's time for us to get out and dust to help him you see this here is a independent race and it's he who gets the votes no publican or democrat to it that just naturally turns a color vote loose at the polls and for the most of the black fools it's who bids the mostest i'm sorry to say as is a fact but you know mr david has said from the first that he will not buy a vote will he have to lose how many of the colored people are there oh jeff will he have to be beaten caroline dara clasped a sandwich to the death in her hands and questioned the negro with the same faith that she would have used in questioning major buchanan no ma'am he ain't going to get nigger beat if we can help it us society colored set you understand miss Colleen. jeff's manner was an interesting mixture of pomposity and deference i don't quite understand jeff you explain to me answered caroline dara in the kind and respectful voice that she always used to these family servants with which they understood perfectly and in which they took a huge delight well it's just this way miss Colleen. there's sets in the colored folks just like they is in the white folks we is the it set, me and Tempe and F and all the first family people. We's got our lawyers and dentists and a university and ice cream parlor with the swellest kind of soda fountain in front. You heard how Mr. David got that country club for us, didn't you? Well, he backed the rent notes on the soda fountain, too, and he just naturally the first set candidate for anything he wants to be. Isn't he just the kindest, best man, Jeff? asked caroline dara in her enthusiasm sacrificing a frosted muffin cake between her clasped hands yes'm he am that for a fact and they can't no low-down whiskey bum beat him for judge neither specially if they count on using the niggers to do it with you see to race him so mighty close that all the booze bosses is telling the niggers that they has got the balance of power as they calls it and it's up to them to elect a judge for whiskey the friend that'll let em drink it down why they's got out a bottle of whiskey as has on the label your colored friend and it's put up in clear glass and at the bottom you can see five new dimes a shining 
A nigger gets a bottle and fifty cents if he votes with them. Old Booze is flinging money right and left, for if Mr. David gets in, he'll sure have to get out. That is perfectly awful, Jeff, exclaimed Caroline with horror-stricken eyes. The poor people made to sell themselves that way? And the whole city to lose David, a good judge, because they can't know what they do. It is horrible, and nobody can help it. I ain't so sure about that, Miss Colleen. Me and Tempe and Dr. Pike Johnson and the dentist and Bud Sims, the man what runs the palms, have thought up a scheme if we can work it. You see, they ain't a nigger from Black Bottom to Mount Nebo as wouldn't sell his soul to get to the country club and say he's been invited there. Now we thought as how it would be a good plan to give it out that we was going to have er David Kildare Judge celebration out there and have invitation tickets printed. Then we could go to the polls and fight down any dollar bottle of whiskey ever put up with one of them invites. Every man to bring a lady and dancing down in a corner of the card. We'd scotch them by saying no election, no dance. So they'll vote straight. Ain't that the swell scheme? It'll work if we can make it go. Jeff, she exclaimed, that is a perfectly splendid idea. You must do it. For offering them fun will be no bribery like whiskey and money. It will do them good. Sometimes it is just as well that a woman be not too well versed in the science logical. Yes'm, I believe it will work. If we just had a barbecue to put down in the other corner opposite the dancing, I know it would draw em. But ice cream will be about all we can get for the subscription money. And cold as it is, ice cream won't be no drawing card. And there was no doubt that Jeff unfolded his plan to Caroline Dara from pure love of sympathy and excitement and for no ulterior purpose, although it served to further his schemes as well as if he had been of a most wily turn of mind. Jeff! exclaimed Caroline Dara excitedly. How much would it take to have a barbecue and ice cream and everything good to go with it, and a big band of music and fireworks and— Golly, Miss Colleen! There will be most five hundred of em, and the scription ain't but a little over fifty dollars. I'm counting on the dancing and the getting there to draw em. We can't risk it, said Caroline. I will give you two hundred and fifty dollars, and you can let it be known that no such celebration ever was as the one his colored friends are going to give in honor of the election of Judge David Kildare. His united colored friends, Jeff— high and low miss colleen i'm scared to take it mr david he just naturally mr david need never know about it it is a subscription and you have collected it advertise that fact i'm one of his friends and i can subscribe even if i am white you must take it and get to work about it only four more days remember and we all must work for mr david and too jeff for those poor, ignorant people who would commit the crime of letting themselves sell their votes. There was real concern for the endangered souls of the coons in Caroline's voice, and Jeff was duly impressed. They both fell to work on the packing of the basket, as Timpy's voice was heard in the distance, for they knew she would express herself in no uncertain terms if she found the amount of work done unsatisfactory. 
but when he departed jeff carried in his pocket a slip of paper about which it nearly scared him to death to think and one of the money-bags of the late peters brown was eased by the extraction of a quarter thousand caroline was happy from a clear conscience and a virtuous feeling of having saved a crisis for a dependent and ignorant people which goes to show that a woman can put her finger into a political pie and draw it out without even a stain while to touch that same confection ever so lightly would dye a man's hand blood red End of chapter 8